Now back to the Matt Mosley Show on ESPN Central Texas. It is Matt Mosley from the streets of New York City. Um, Bears lose to Duke, and I was there to um, observe, and it just did not... It did not work out, unfortunately, for the uh, for the Bears, and uh, they'll get another crack at it tomorrow night against an 0-11 Mississippi Valley State team. So I think I like their chances tomorrow night. Tim Watkins joining us now from uh, Baylor 247, and uh, I, Tim, it was uh, I felt yesterday. You know, they had the Baylor women and then the men play. And I was up here watching the, the men play. But you can imagine it, it knocked me off the air. And I was really wanting to talk about signing day and do all that. So glad you can uh, be on with us. And, boy, long time no talk. Uh, how are you, sir? I am well. I am well. Getting ready to uh, celebrate an awesome Christmas this weekend. And, Spending time with family and uh, celebrating, I-, I think, is an underrated Baylor football recruiting class. It's definitely one that I'm higher on than the industry. A lot of tweets and gifts and memes of Big 12 rankings and Baylor's somewhere between 14th and 16th. But I-, I think there's a story around that, and it's a positive one for this staff and what they've built on the recruiting trail. Boy, I'm anxious to hear that because I, I see the same things you've seen and whether it be 247, 14th, I know some other sites have them even lower than that. But, you know, and there may be a, a player or two they're waiting on to see what happens, but they did have 15 players sign, and uh, there's been some portal activity. There's been some JUCO activity as well. But, Tim, start start us off. What what makes you, you know, and, again, I'm, I'm kind of like you. I – I'm kind of, you know, if if you're convicted about some of these certain players and and you follow your conviction, I mean, it's not like now we act like the 2023 freshman class was some kind of unbelievable class. I don't recall that class being ranked like the greatest in the conference or something like that. So these things, it's all about perspective, and we get kind of lost in the moment. What 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 sort of overall in general before we start looking at some of these players, what what has you a little more optimistic about this Bears class than some other folks? Yeah, I think it's it's fit in what this team wants to do, and I, I'm probably a higher fan of what they did on the defensive side of the ball when we're talking specifically about high school and junior college. You're looking at linebackers, uh, weakness. I would say of the the 2023 season, they were they were slow, they weren't aggressive. Um, it, it was a linebacker group that got abused a lot in pass coverage. So so what do they do? Uh, they bring in Kylan Reed out of Mansfield Summit. He's an 85 grade guy. I have him closer to an 88 or an 89. So really a fringe four star type player, six two, 210. Really one of those guys that create havoc. That's one of the things that I always look for in my front seven defensive players. Are they getting tackles for loss? Are they forcing fumbles? Are they getting sacks? Reed does that. He pops on film with good speed, good athleticism, a good frame that I think can grow into a 6'2", 230, 240-pound player and really be that one of those linebackers that 
that can really make an impact in the run game and have the agility to get in the backfield. You look at another experienced guy coming from Northeast Mississippi Community College, a first-team All-American junior college linebacker by Keaton Thomas. Ultra, ultra productive this past year. I think he was a massive get. They beat out a lot of strong SEC teams. He visited Mississippi State the last weekend of the signing area, and he signed with Baylor on Wednesday. These are two guys that I think could really impact that linebacker group. You're looking at a safety, a impact physical athletic safety like Chris Wilkema out of Arlington Bowie High School. Kyler Beatty, a corner out of Comanche, Texas. Guy he reminds me of, Caden Jenkins, another 86th grade mid-third tier guy that didn't have the best offer list that, that really athletically looks like he has it. Kyler Beatty looks the exact same to me. Not saying he's going to be as impactful is Caden Jenkins, but Kyler Beatty is a guy that I think can really, really pop and contribute early. Our, one of our top-rated defenders uh, is Mason Dossett. Speed, speed, speed. Mainly played wide receiver at Ridge Point High School, but he's a guy that's going to play safety. If he can develop the physical nature and kind of that tackling ability, he's a ball hawk safety, and that is something that Baylor desperately, desperately needed. So the guys that signed the letter of intent – I like what they did, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And their top guy didn't even sign in Alex Foster. I think a legitimate four-star, top 150 recruit. He's a defensive lineman out of Mississippi. Impact, strong at the uh, incredible strength at the point of attack. Really get in the backfield to make things happen. Baylor's in a dogfight with Texas to get him to sign, uh, most likely in February. So I think this is a class where you look at the pieces of the puzzle they got some really, really good players that fit areas of need now and into the future. Well, that's interesting news. Um, and talking to Tim Watkins from uh, Baylor 247 Sports. And, uh, I mean, uh, you guys have uh, done a really nice job on all this. And I, I, I always have enjoyed reading you. I've known you now for years. But you have always have some young staffers that do a really nice job. This uh the Foster one that you just mentioned intrigues me, um, and like tech, you know, part of you wants to be like, okay, Texas, did you not? I mean, all those five stars you either flipped or brought in—is that not enough? Do you have to come get like Baylor's highest ranked recruit? And the answer, of course, for them is, well, sure we do. If we've got yeah. like an extra uh, spot, we're going to come get your guys and. Uh, and and this is uh, you know highly highly competitive, um, you know I so that's interesting to me because what I'm wondering is when you say dogfight, what I hear you saying is nil, and it may not be, I mean, you never know. I mean it's not always the case, but I guess the good news is Tim is that Baylor is trying to be more competitive in that space. They at least are a little more upfront with it now and don't hide from it. And not that they did, but it just, I don't think it was a comfortable thing with Aranda. I, I do think he understands that to have any kind of, you know, to move forward and to last as the head coach, he's got to jump into this thing. And they're going to have more money and have a bigger budget. I mean, I don't think they get Quinn the transfer quarterback out of Toledo if they're not paying him, you know, a pretty nice rate. 
And and I would imagine you don't want to go toe to toe with Texas, but again, this is not Texas is not dedicating like its biggest money to this player. Do you see that this last one, Tim, is kind of a fifty fifty proposition on whether he'll end up with the, with Texas or the Bears? I think it's still edge with Baylor, and Texas obviously flipped some very highly rec- recruited and rated guys on on signing day, as well as on the uh, the defensive end and kind of edge players. Did that take Alex Foster's spot? We haven't really identified the answer to that question yet, but but I think you're absolutely right when it comes to NIL. It was uncomfortable, um, you know, how Aranda wanted it tied into the person over player didn't allow them to be strategic when it came to putting a player first. We don't get a guy that is a top 10 transfer quarterback in a loaded transfer quarterback class like Daquan Finn. He was extremely highly coveted. They identified him as a guy that they wanted. They went all in. He was the only quarterback that actually visited. Malik Murphy was kind of a backup option. He was going to come in January. I doubt that's going to happen now uh, with Finn committed, signed, sealed, and delivered. So this is this is definitely a, an intriguing conversation of how can they keep Alex Foster? How can they make sure that they build this class? Daquan Finn, man, 88 touchdowns. Uh, I, I'm kind of excited to see. I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, Sawyer Robertson, uh, you know, that competition and see how Sawyer responds to this. Um, you know, I couldn't help, Tim. You, you know, you always want to have, like, eyes on your own paper. But, like, look at, like, Oregon's quarterback situation with Baylor's former commit that flipped over there to Oregon in Novosad. And then the fact that they brought in not only a big-time Dylan Gabriel from OU, but then they get a, a former five-star from UCLA, what a what a fascinating thing that will be. But again, that's somebody else's problem. I don't think Baylor's going to be uh, trying to trying to get him to transfer back. Um, speaking of quarterback, though, also because you've watched this happen, and it's it's probably bugged me more than or uh, than anybody I know in the in the portal world, not getting high school quarterbacks is not that huge of a deal anymore. But I still think there's something about your program that loses some luster when you, you know, you didn't get one in 22. You then, you then lose, a, you know, Novosad in 23. Um, I, I, I think that kind of is a tough thing on a program. And, you know, the good thing about this Nate Bennett, he may not be off the charts or ranked the highest, but, even though I'm sure the primary recruiter was Sean Bell, I would imagine this guy is, you know, he's not going to Bell in some sense because huge Baylor family. I think I was on campus with his dad back in the day. But, like, I, I'm sort of getting – I'm kind of like you a little bit. Like, I'm not – if you feel convicted about a quarterback and that quarterback is truly committed to you, then pull the trigger. You know, and don't worry about, oh, my gosh, not everybody has offered this guy. If you feel good about him, that all that said, what do you think about Bennett? And, and like, what's the, what's the ceiling for, for this kid? 
Yeah, he's a guy that can play at this level. Um, he is extremely accurate, over 70% completion percentage last year. He's slight of frame. He struggled with injuries. He's not one of those jitterbug moving around explosive with his legs. He's a guy that's going to sit in the pocket, hit his first and second read, and put the ball into the right spot to get yards after the catch. That's really, really important in Jake Spavital's offense. Spread him out, quick releases, quick reads, get up and go, do it again within 10, 15 seconds. So he's a guy that I think fits really well in this offense from a passing arm perspective. Doesn't have the biggest arm. Will need to improve his deep ball uh, accuracy uh, as he tries to stretch the field, but he can run this type of offense. And quarterback rooms are built with guys like Nate Bennett as a second or a third string guy for a couple of years. You look at a guy like Nick Florence, similar type of background, not extremely highly recruited and ranked, had to play in his freshman year after RG3 went out, but was the backup for a couple of years, came in and, and set records in his senior year. Nate Bennett's a guy that that's probably the best case scenario is coming in, being a backup for a couple of years and being that starting center or starting a quarterback in his final year. We saw Texas Tech in the early 2000s go from senior to senior to senior to senior under Mike Leach. That, I think, is a better path for success rather than Baylor recruiting recruiting a five-star and hoping you get the NIL money to clear and hope you keep him from the uh, onslaught of other NIL deals for years and years. Yeah, I mean, I I tell you, I – I, I think the Lord has some command on not coveting other teams' quarterbacks. Um, I have to tell you that, you know, and part of it, I've just known this kid for years now, going on about three or four years. But, you know, Hoss Haney, who's headed to TCU, wow. I mean, wow. you know, you talk yeah. about somebody that turned into a massive high school quarterback. And, and the Bears were on him. The Bears offered him. And it honestly did a really good job recruiting him. They just didn't they didn't make the offer when they needed to. And and you've seen it. And that's why I'm okay with this Bennett thing. Like if you if you love this kid and he's your guy, get the offer in, get it done. And you know, um, I know the the Handy kid, for instance, is a big TCU legacy. Both his parents played it at TCU. But I mean, I. The kid was interested in it, Baylor at one point, but um, but anyway, that's nor here nor there. You can imagine. I've just there's certain players across the country that high school players that just stand out like crazy to me. You know, from a recruiting standpoint, Tim, and Tim Watkins with us, Baylor two four seven. Tell me what you're seeing in the early days, because I, I don't really want to even ho- hold him accountable for this class, but Keenan Hall who they hired from SMU as the assistant head coach, running backs coach. How important a hire was that for Baylor in terms of getting re-entrenched um, in, in Dallas and, and especially, you know, uh, Southern Dallas County uh, where he played, you know, at South Oak Cliff and, and had been recruiting really well in the Dallas area for SMU. How big a hire do you think that was? It's a massive hire. It's one that, that Dave Aranda needed to make, uh, in my opinion, a home run hire because, as you said, Dallas is, is a critical area for every program. When Joey McGuire left to be the head coach at Texas Tech, they lost their guy. Cedar Hill, head coach, 
Texas High School Coaches Association legend. They lost that in. Uh, Justin Johnson left to go to Texas Tech. While he was more known for Houston, he was really recruiting in the lead guy in the Dallas-Fort Worth area the last year, year and a half. Uh, A.J. Stewart came in. I think he was he did an okay job, but he wasn't a Texas guy. He couldn't walk into Oak Cliff. He couldn't walk into Cedar Hill. couldn't walk into Duncanville and say, hey, everybody knows me. He's been recruiting out of Oregon State for a couple of years. Keenan Hall gives them that, for lack of a better word, swag, gives them that credibility to, you know, go in there and know the receptionist's name, to know who they need to talk to, what coach, what assistant coach is going to give them the real skinny on the guys, who are they going to actually have a true chance with, and build that relationship, build that excitement around Baylor football, especially as they now kind of pivot into the transfer portal and pivot most importantly for the future of this program into the 2025 class. And that's a class that should be a lot bigger next year. It's one that should be ranked much higher with 18 to 22, 23 recruits right now, depending on how they want to fill out the portal. The 2025 class, especially if Dave Aranda is successful, he doesn't go through the same offseason questions and concerns again. That's a class that really has a chance to, to re-solidify Baylor as a strong recruiting destination. Yeah, and you know, this, this class is a special one in you, you really, I, I'm glad you like this class. I mean, it's also, and for different reasons, you know, like Petrie was such a special player to all Baylor fans for like what he represented and sticking with Baylor at a horrible time for the school and then becoming one of the greatest players in Baylor history. This class, you know, had to go ahead and commit when a coach came very close to getting fired. And then in the true sense, if you want a negative recruit Baylor, it'd be very easy to do so, right? You just say, well, this guy's a lame duck coach and, you know, who knows if he's going to be there or not. And yet these 15 signed. And so I think that's, uh, I think, I think the, you know, I think that uh, I'm glad you, I'm glad you kind of like some of these uh, players because I think sometimes especially these recruiting services, and of course, 247 is right there in, in the lead of some of these, but you can get so tied into these numbers, you know, like, oh my gosh, they're 14th, we had a horrible class or something like that. And the truth is, you know, you can have some really good and fine individual players, even if you don't have, you know, and, and why does Tech and others get rated so highly? Well, one, uh, Tim, they go and get a, you know, like a first five-star they've probably ever had, right? They get like an amazing player. And then two, they get the quantity. And Baylor's had classes like that where you load up and you get so many kids so early, even if they're not like the greatest class, there's kind of some of those numbers start to translate. So anyway, Tim, that was that was fun, man. I, I'm, I'm glad we did this and uh, appreciate the perspective that you uh, bring, and, and let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Always happy to talk to you and your listeners. Have an amazing time in New York. I'm insanely jealous that I wasn't able to be up there. That's on the bucket list to go to a game in Madison Square Garden. So awesome, even though it wasn't a Baylor loss. That had to be a heck of an experience. Yeah, unfortunately, both times I've come up here to see Baylor – uh, I may just leave you for the next one because uh, I have not been good luck. They, South Carolina, 
they uh, they did not get it done yep. uh, in a Sweet 16, and now against Duke. Although getting better, this was a better game than uh, than that South Carolina game for sure. At least Baylor was in the game fairly fairly late. Appreciate it, Tim. I'll talk to you soon. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, thanks, sir. Bye. Tim Watkins from 24/7 Sports. That is 